Cast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomCastPod on Twitter and Instagram and check us out on the web at NomCastPod.com. All right. Thanks for joining us. We have a great episode for you today. I talked to the big homies of horror, Mr. Scary Larry Dwyer of Horror News Network and Shane Beauregard of Media Mosh. We discussed everything horror in 2020, and then we did a few deep dive reviews of the big ticket Netflix horror films of 2020. So we previewed these films with Shane before they all dropped in October. So this is basically a nice recap show for you. And these two gentlemen are the best to talk about this genre. So stay tuned for that. But first, a word from our friends at Forgotten Entertainment. Another season of Forgotten Horror has come to an end, but as Field paraphrases Al Pacino from Send of a Woman, We're just getting warmed up! Spend the next few months with Forgotten Cinema as Season 7 kicks off with movies from all across the decades. We jump to the 70s to talk about the front page starring Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. We dive into the 80s with Michael Mann's Thief and the Dennis Quaid Meg Ryan thriller DOA, and then slice into Butler's childhood years the 90s with The Last Samurai and The Negotiator. That's right, Field. You're old. So very very old shut up butler forgotten cinema part of the forgotten entertainment family have those marvel blues while black widow's theatrical release date is consistently delayed well turn that frown upside down because yet another mcu podcast is here to guide you through the mcu one movie at a time that's right mike each episode we break down one movie from the mcu and talk about its connections with the source material comic books which means i get to learn so many fascinating things like about alpha flight the canadian avengers who knew and moon knight a multiple personality superhero seriously and then there's man thing yeah, not really sure how to explain that one. Pretty sure no one can. Yet another MCU podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, welcome back. So excited for you all to hear my conversation with Scary Larry and Shane. So much great horror talk coming your way. But first, I encourage everyone to check out our guest's amazing work. Shane, of course, uh, he's been on the show many times, is the host of Media Mosh an excellent podcast which covers all kinds of TV and movie releases from across streaming and beyond. You can follow Shane on Twitter at ShaneMediaMosh, and you can subscribe to MediaMosh on Apple Podcasts. And Scary Larry, well, he has his hands in everything in the horror and cult movie genres. He is a staff writer for the Horror News Network. He's one of the coordinators of the Connecticut Horror Fest, and he is the man who curates and coordinates all the fun movie nights of the Connecticut cult classics, which even in a pandemic has been going strong virtually. Like them on Facebook and treat yourself to one of their amazing watch parties. Larry talks about these cool events at the end of this episode and even announces the next movie for their watch party this weekend. So like I said, like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter at CT Cult Classics and check them out on the web at Connecticut, spelt out, Connecticut Cult Classics.com. And of course, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, The Nomcast, on Apple, Spotify, 
or wherever you're listening to us right now. All right, let's get to it. Here it is, my conversation with Spooky Shane and Scary Larry. Yeah, we'll stick with that. All right, give a listen. All right, super excited for this. We got two of my favorite guys, especially to talk uh, about horror with. It's an impressive lineup we got here today. Scary Larry Dwyer and Shane Beauregard of Medium Mosh are in the house. Thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Now, we just came out of the Halloween season, uh, so happy Halloween to you guys. I know Shane and I, uh, the last time Shane was on, we previewed uh, the whole slate of the October films that were in the horror Halloween genre of stuff coming out uh, for Netflix original movies, so we're going to talk about some of those uh, soon, but I just kind of wanted to start up top by kind of just laying laying out the landscape for horror in 2020. I know it's a it's a weird movie year in general. We have uh, things that got pushed back all over the place. It was supposed to be a very different year. I mean, you're talking Halloween Kills, Candyman, Quiet Place 2, Antlers, some of the bigger films that I was looking forward to are all now in 2021. Uh, so as far as this goes, as far as uh, the landscape goes for this year, what have you guys seen? I guess I'll start with uh, Scary Larry over here. Uh, what What did you see this year? What do you think has been like the crown jewels in a lesser, more condensed year like this? Yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, you mentioned it already, the ones that were pushed back, Halloween Kills and A Quiet Place 2. These are wide-release films, right? Like These are movies that are going to going to hit every theater so obviously they're movies that the studio doesn't want to put out during a pandemic sure you know they want to make that money um for i don't know if you ever read my my end of the year lists but most of them are indie films anyway uh indie films did not suffer really from this pandemic um you know there's been i you know looking at my list i keep a list every year of what i need to see and what i've seen yeah, I've already seen 54 horror movies that came out in 2020. Um, I've got a list of like 40 more I need to see. Um, you know, so that's almost 100 movies, 100 horror movies that came out this year. Yeah. Um, you know, so as far as movies like that go, they didn't, I mean, the only ways they got hurt really is they didn't get to hit the festival circuit because that's where a lot of these guys, uh, they get their... Um, What's it called when they get picked up by a studio distribution? Yeah. You know, they'll play it like a fantastic fest or one of these, uh, you know, uh, Sundance if they're lucky. But, you know, one of these film festivals and some company will pick them up and distribute them. Netflix picks up a lot that way. Sure. Um, so a lot of them didn't get that chance, even though a lot of these festivals did do uh, online uh, festivals yeah. this year. Mm -hmm. I think Fantastic being one of them. Yes. Um, but still, I, I, I would venture to guess that a lot of them weren't submitted because of you know the pandemic so in that sense there wasn't a ton really but there were still some great horror movies that came out this year uh 2020 for me uh color out of space richard stanley is uh yeah welcome back richard stanley <laughs> absolutely after you know after the most glorious documentary of all time <laughs> yes. what's the what's the name of that documentary uh um, what's uh uh, something uh, in the darkness right um yeah it's it's about it's about his filming it, the of island the, of dr uh, moreau yeah, yeah i forgot Val what Kilmer, the name of the Marlon Brando. Is, yeah um if anybody listening has never 
seen the island of dr moreau don't worry about it yeah just, just watch, watch the, the documentary <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and because and i don't even want to spoil it by giving it away but it's honestly one of the craziest things you will ever see about a filmmaking experience yes um and it really like that that kept him away from hollywood forever like that yeah. was what 20 something years ago i went to dr moreau oh yeah he, it has to be because brando's yeah, easily, been dead yeah. for yeah brando's been dead forever so it has to be um, but Richard Stanley back in a big way with Colorado Space, you know, adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft um, with Nicolas Cage, who has become kind of uh, a horror darling the past couple of years with Mandy and uh, Mom and Dad was another big one for him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and what's funny is I've always hated Nicolas Cage. Like, he's just one of those actors for me, like, I can't stand to see in a movie, but those three movies from 2019 and now 2020 i'm 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 a fan i'm a nicholas cage guy now yeah i guess i gotta i gotta go back and watch raising arizona again i guess <laughs> you know rejudge my whole nicholas cage experience um but if i had to give you one i'd say that's probably you know and it's funny i saw that early in 2020 i probably saw that in january or february um and even with all the films i've seen that's kind of still held the number one spot for me right um for 2020 films yeah so. I'll, I'll be honest i haven't seen a lot of them because either we're talking that they went to uh places like shutter where i don't have a, a membership to shutter i really should uh, i'm a yep. jerk that way um but like especially because i once i knew that they were getting peninsula say for instance i was mm -hmm. really looking forward to that a lot of people who are fans of train to busan uh, want right. to see the follow-up and it went you know towards shutter so uh, I'm, I'm gonna get there eventually i i wanted to kind of do it during the october period but netflix actually had a decent amount of movies so I, I ended up watching a lot of those or revisiting old classics like you do you know showing my kids uh you know charlie brown's great pumpkin and all that stuff doing the the regular traditions um but also different, those are those are different classics than i show my kids yes <laughs> i hope yeah. to get to your level one day but my daughter is a frady cat and she's the oldest so i got a um yeah. i got the, the the school sometimes sends home pictures of the kids like doing assignments my daughter's in like what fourth grade yeah um and it's a picture of like her and three of her classmates doing an assignment my daughter's wearing a return of the living dead shirt. <laughs> yes. like oh this is great yeah <laughs> perfect Absolutely. treasured memories <laughs> totally so shane so yeah oh sorry i was gonna, I was say, gonna say color uh colorado space is what i would say like off the top of my head yeah i definitely still have to catch that one myself i i and there are ones that did come out that i've heard are amazing and and depending on um like for me i mean I, I was able to see Invisible Man, of course, like a lot of people were, because that shut down, you know, wasn't, mm -hmm. they had some time out in the theaters before everything got shut down. Uh, the platform we covered here on Netflix, uh, if you consider that horror, uh, you yeah. know, you got a little bit of cannibalism, a little bit of, you know, suspense stuff, I'll take that. Uh, so I like some of those. Um, and, and even Shane and I covered uh, Hashtag Alive that came out of uh, South Korea that Netflix picked up. After that, got a uh, kind of big buzz doing kind of a new slant on a horror, uh, the zombie genre. And mm -hmm. so yep. there's been some good stuff. And, and you can find on some of the streamers, like Hulu has a few. I know I uh, <laughs> I started to watch The Lodge, got really depressed, and then uh, had turned it off. I'm going to revisit. I swear, Alicia Silverstone, I'm sorry. Uh, I will be back. Um, 
and uh, Possessor went out into theaters uh, somewhere around here some. Uh, I wasn't able to make it. I really want to see Young Cronenberg's work, so that's good stuff. So there's a lot of good stuff that has come out. Uh, Shane, what were you able to watch, and and where does the landscape stand for you? Uh, I mean, I talked about this a little bit last week, and I'm not going to, like, go into details because you two touched upon it with all the movies being, like, shoved back into 2020. I found myself just going back to the classics, the Friday the 13th, you know, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets, the Omen, Exorcist, Poltergeist, all that kind of stuff. Sure. And I, I am kicking myself for not getting Shudder because I was looking at like top horror films of 2020 and there was a ton that were on Shudder. But I was like, man, I'm already subscribing to this, that, this, and the other. I'm like, I should have done a week. For but sure. Case in point, I'm going to get Shudder sooner or later <laughs> so I can get caught up on all this stuff. But I think in the theaters, the last one I saw was The Invisible Man, which, again, I, yeah, yeah, horror aspects to it. I even saw The Conjuring was probably like the real last horror movie I saw in the theater. Right. So not not a spectacular year because I don't see as many independent films uh, just because just my kids seem to always be around. And I, I can't like – even though my daughter who was in fourth grade kept coming up and was like, hey, can I watch – you know, pumpkin headers. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Even knowing damn well, I watched that stuff when I was like 10, 11, 12 years Easily. old. I have no idea where my parents were at that time. I don't remember them ever being around. Yeah. But I had to be a semi-responsible father and be like, no, you can do that when you're 12. 12 years old, hey, go crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you, I don't know what you're watching in your bedroom. Go bananas. Yeah, okay? <laughs> exactly. You wake up, go call your mom. So – I went through a lot of Netflix you did. Uh, we've seen a lot of the similar things. So nothing really new for me, but I will say, and this has touches of horror, but it's more of a suspense thriller. I really enjoyed Black Box on Amazon Prime. Okay. I don't know if, I don't know if either one of you saw that Is that, that part of the uh, the uh, Blumhouse series? It is. Okay. And it's the, only, it's the only one worth watching. I mean, trust me. Oh, I heard the eye yeah. was pretty good. Is that no good? It was okay. Okay. But for me, the black box was far and above one of the, I'll even say one of the best movies I've seen so far in 2020. Right. Uh, without getting into the spoilers, it's part memento, part get out. Oh, interesting. Kind of, kind of blend it together. And I don't want to butcher the director's name, but it's a first time writer, director, Emmanuel Ose Kufar. Mm. Um, first film, uh, didn't know the lead actor, but the acting was great. It had Felicia Rashad in it, was the only recognizable actress in yes, there. Yes, yeah. So if you want to watch something that's just a flat-out good movie and will give you some chills, uh, go check out Black Box on Amazon Prime right now, which Amazon Prime as a whole has actually a really decent back catalog yeah. of older horror movies with new horror movies. I find myself gravitating towards Prime this year more than Netflix or Hulu, right. which Hulu had a pretty good selection. But Amazon Prime is where I've kind of found most of my viewing pleasure this this Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I will say uh, that's that's a good point, and for sure, and obviously Shutter being like the leader in all of those things, I'm sure you can encapsulate a lot of those, you know, the back catalogs of things that we watch. I know, weirdly enough, we've had this conversation, Shane, where it's like Netflix weirdly is kind of a not a black hole for horror, but like they just don't seem to gravitate towards stuff that goes too far although we'll get to some of the movies that came out this year and you'll be like well um in some regards that's completely not true but um what i will say is especially 
or as far as the classics go, I found it a weird move that they have prom night coming to Netflix in like a couple weeks. I'm like, where were you, buddy? I could have watched. I could have watched that a few weeks ago. Um, so you know, uh, they'll get there eventually. And uh, but I think they're trying to focus on things that they don't really. They you know, Shutter's like a whole network. They they know they can't compete with them. They're trying to more compete with Disney Plus, HBO Max, Am- Amazon Prime. Those people when it comes to this but you know they did come out with a decent amount of titles so we will get to those uh now if you guys are good um i i will say uh it's been an interesting <laughs> lineup uh when shane and i did the the preview for all this uh there were things that you know went all over the map they had some family friendly stuff they had you know adam sandler doing a halloween movie this year and yes larry i echo that face you're making uh (laughs) i don't know how that movie doesn't have like uh terrible ratings across the board some people are just like oh this is kind of a return to sandler i'm like i don't know what you watched um but my goodness uh that movie is uh interesting choices across the board um but they have that, but I figure for these purposes, because we actually want to talk more horror and do the real season right, uh, that we'll get into some of the more, uh, you know, slasher weirdo stuff. Um, although I will say, and Shane, because I know you told me you watched it too, I will say out and out now that I can, because I was still in um, uh, embargo at the time. I enjoyed Vampires versus the Bronx. I, I thought that was kind of a, if anyone wants to do like a family version, something, I don't know if you did watch, end up watching it with your family there, Shane, but you know, it, it's a, it's a good movie that dives into things like gentrification and really took, you know, things about uh, the Spanish community and the Bronx community and all that. Like it really felt lived in the performances were good it's hard to get good performances from kids all the lead kids were really good uh i know you said you liked it too what did you like about it oh the same thing you just said i like the acting i love the kids dynamic and their chemistry i like how they slid in that little side story about one of their kids being involved in the gang yeah i, I like the feel like you said the feel of the neighborhood I, it was fun it kind of reminds nice not to compare it to Monster Squad, because that's a totally different movie, but it kind of gave me some of those similar vibes yeah. as Monster Squad. Sure. Uh, my only two hangups uh, in the movie, without spoiling, was I wanted to see more Bronx versus the vampires. Sure. Or or the vampires do more vampire stuff. Yeah. Uh, other than those two things, it was fun. My, family, my, my daughter watched it with me. We had a good time, especially the, the lead kid, the, uh, the actor there. He was great. I It was fun. It was a fun movie. I don't have his name in front of me, but... I echo the same sentiments you did about that movie. It was just a fun, fun time with the family. Yeah, and if anything, I would say, uh, especially for a movie that has Method Man in it being a priest, I wanted it to be more Method Manny. I wanted him to like step up, and and I they literally don't say the words "protect your neck" outside of the marketing. I was like, it's right there, guys. Just help me out. I don't know if they. He just was like, didn't want to do that. Thought it was too hokey. I don't know. I would have enjoyed it. You're you're doing a semi kids movie. Let's do it. Let's do it for the adults. He's here. Let's rock and roll. Um, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed that. Uh, so I would recommend people to check that out. But uh, and definitely not check out Hubie Halloween, even though a lot of people did. So that that ship has sailed. Um, but the first one we'll get into because it's the first one. We'll do it in terms of release order. Um, Cadaver came out on October twenty second. 
Uh, we we covered this in our preview. It's a Norwegian horror film uh, full of creepy masks all over the trailer. Didn't know really fully what to expect. Uh, it was uh, kind of billed as like, you know, taking advantage of the poor, uh, which it basically is uh, in the trailer. Uh, that's how they kind of put it there. They say it's in the starving aftermath of a nuclear disaster, a family of three attends a charitable event at a hotel, which takes a dark turn when people start to disappear. Larry, uh, I'll, I'll start with you because I know we kind of like had you covering this one. Man, uh, I, I had higher hopes for this one because the trailer at least looked good to me. Um, where did it fall for you? I have a lot of opinions, but I just uh, I want to see what you say first. I'm all right. I'm a fan, first of all, of foreign film. Um Again, you know, I mentioned if you look at my year-end lists, there's always a ton of indies and there's always a ton of foreign films. And foreign films end up sometimes being my favorite films of the year. Train to Busan was one of my favorites of one year. Um, last year's was uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is a Spanish film. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I like foreign films and I think it stems from because i have hearing problems i wear hearing aids so i've spent a <laughs> lifetime watching movies with subtitles yes yeah it, it's great i love subtitles so i think that's like for me has 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 led to me led for me to embrace um foreign films um but that said that's about all i liked about this no, <laughs> it's i mean yeah you captured pretty much the essence of of what it is right a family uh kind of wakes up in uh, some sort of looks like an abandoned type broken up house uh sleeping on a mattress on the floor very very gray everything's very gray and yeah. blue shades of blues and grays uh great uh, great cinematography they did a they did a good job with that um you know and then you get uh you see newspapers laying around and it tells you uh you know, uh, nuclear bomb and possible war, blah, blah, blah. So you start to piece together, you know, oh, these guys are survivors of some sort of nuclear event. Right. Um, you know, there's there's people banging at the door to, to yelling to be let in. So you get the feeling like, I don't know if it was their house, but they've kind of taken it over. There was some other people living with them who have killed themselves. Uh, it's a very dark time in whatever country this was where was this is netherlands is that what uh, we said? norway yeah norway but, okay yeah. uh so it's obviously a very dark time uh post-apocalyptic if you will and then one day they hear somebody yelling outside about uh a theater and come get free food and uh, they go out there and there's a, a guy like a carnival barker with uh, like a carnival truck and he's saying you know hey there's going to be a theater show come tonight free meal and you're talking to people who have been starving for i don't know how long this since this uh this nuclear war has taken place uh and you're telling them that you have uh enough free food to go around and you're going to provide them with a free show um and you know immediately i'm leery of the rest of the film because who's going to believe this guy anyway like you know, the whole you you can't tell me that my part of the country blew up, but you a mile away, you know, have all the food in the fucking <laughs> world. Yeah. And, you know, some glorious place where you're putting on free theater for everybody and giving out free food. 
Um, so immediately it's uh, it's a little weird, right? Was weird a good a good word? Yeah, a I'm, little unbelievable. You hope um, that you you have to like kind of buy into the the optimism or the the hope that they these well, people they try need to get to have. you to right. They try to get you to right because even her husband is like you know, why are you so optimistic? Right. She's like, well, I have to be. Yeah. Which I get. I do understand that. But you also have to be realistic. Yeah. Because the movie no- tries to basically pin it as people's different versions of surviving. And mm-hmm. and obviously the cases with this family, it's trying to be hopeful in a hopeless situation. And obviously with the people who put on this show, I will put on in quotes, um, it's a very different way of surviving. It was a, I will first off say that I blame escape rooms and experimental theater over the years, like probably the whole area of Brooklyn and Williamsburg that is at fault for things like this to be plausible in the first place, yeah. that this yeah. type of show is like, oh, yeah. No, it's totally this. You're amongst the this people who live here, and you're doing all this experimental stuff. Oh yeah, I know this is totally normal. So I think yeah. they ruined it. They set up these people, these poor people, uh, to get get into this terrible game that they have to play. Um, some of the things you were saying, I absolutely want to echo before you go uh, much further. Is I thought the design of the hotel uh, was amazing i felt like i truly knew the lay of the land after watching this film like i knew like oh yeah if you turn down this way it goes down this hallway and it goes like everything was distinct enough that even though it could feel like a labyrinth to these people Mm -hmm. sometimes i felt like i knew where i was so that was actually i thought pretty impressive and it looked good uh a lot of these like deep red hallways or yeah the scary well they they did a great job going from that those grays and blues yes of the you know destroyed land into the magnificent reds and golds of this uh beautiful hotel or i thought at first i thought it was a mansion but then i realized it was a hotel yeah uh they did a great job with that they they did i I, i'll agree they're uh, the cinematography was really on point. Yeah, um, it is the standout for sure. Um, yeah. I, I will also say, because you alluded to it, I think it gets worse as the movie goes on, is the exposition that gets pretty lame with the newspaper clippings. I think mm-hmm. they could have done more script-wise to really kind of solidify why everybody's here and what's transpiring, especially with the motives of the people who are actually putting this thing on. I think they could have done more with that. And I also thought it could have been a bit more intense and scary, especially for a plot that gets pretty gruesome in terms of its right. core. So but how do you feel about all that? I agree. Um, you know, I mean, it did have its its gore moments, but not, not very much. Um, but I do, I agree with you. I felt like they didn't really do enough to build this story. Um, it, it just seemed that once they got to the hotel, they just got into it. Yeah. Um, and you know, before you know it, the daughter's missing and you know, which if you're a parent, you don't, you don't lose sight of your daughter, especially not after a nuclear war. Yeah. <laughs> you're in a, you're in a hotel full of strange people right. who just, who just gave you some delicious human meat or something (laughs) but you know they didn't know that at the time sure um you know so yeah i i i find it i find it all very unbelievable that anybody would be um 
dumb enough to fall into this situation. And it was a situation also that screamed uh, Walking Dead to me um, with this, the uh, the people at the Terminus. I don't know if you sure, guys watched yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, that's the, immediately what I thought of. I was like, this is the same exact the same exact thing. This is Terminus. Right. At, you know, they were lured to this place of safety and uh, basically being fed to the people that, that actually live there. Sure. So, yeah. Um, and, and it really, I mean, and I see what they were trying to do. They were trying to get you to ask yourself, is this really happening? You know, are they, are they still, is this still an act? Is this still part of the play? You know, because they find their daughter's doll and there's blood on it and they're like, Oh my God. But then one of them thinks to taste it because that's what you always do with blood. <laughs> yes, um, of course. And it was, and it was sweet. Right. So it was corn syrup, obviously. So, you know, as the viewer, you're like, Oh, so maybe this, maybe she's not really missing. Maybe that's part of the part of the play. And then you see the guy who cut his own neck and he's got tubing there and you're yeah. like, Oh, so this is all part of a, and then we learn that it is all a play, but it's a play with the um more you know, the sinister plan, motives sure yeah the end plan is to basically capture and uh feed off of everybody who is who is there but then they had the whole subplot with matthias and what was the daughter's name alice mm. where you know she looked so much like his lost daughter right and, yeah i, I, like, I didn't just, get that i didn't buy into that yeah at all. this drives the story absolutely nowhere um there's nothing worse, nothing worse to me than just wasted, wasted story. Like you're building this to, to go absolutely no. Cause it didn't go anywhere. No, they, they built it with, you could tell his fascination for her when, when they first tried to keep her out and then they built it with the, the newspaper clippings again, more newspaper clippings. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, it, it went absolutely nowhere. You know, you expected that to, to, um, unravel into something, you know, maybe he, had decided to keep her as his daughter, anything, yeah. you know, and anything. Um, but it was just really one of many kind of plot points that didn't really go anywhere in, uh, in cadaver for me. Yeah, I agree. I was trying to, to get into it, especially as far as like the villain stuff. Cause I felt like, uh, the way it was going and kind of his explanation for at least how he created the family and the, and the show it was kind of one of those like Thanos was right moments. Like I like a villain who actually has a point uh, yeah. that you can kind of get behind. And this one where it's like, yeah, he basically built this infrastructure to keep you all living, you jerks and keeping you off the street. So is right. that's a positive. And then you're like, Oh wait, but he's like, you know, killing and eating people. So it's right. But, know. and then they hit you with the, which is what I got out of it. And maybe I'm wrong. The the other actors didn't know that they've been eating people this whole time. No. Yeah. Did you get that? Come on, stop. Then what have you been trapping them for? Where, where have they been going? <laughs> well, I think they them. thought they were just robbing them. So, but even still, that's, it's a, it's but a, but they were people that were slope. coming there yeah. with nothing. What were they robbing them for their clothes? They did have the big room full of clothes. Yeah. But although I will say as a person who, uh, you know, has always battled the uh, weight problems and overeating, especially in quarantine, we can all kind of feel those, those issues. Um, sure. How does starving people not see 
the depth, like in the cardboard food that they had in the kitchen. How do you not yeah. notice that? Um, right. So <laughs> I, I, I had a, a, some of those like small issues that I was just like, all right. But I'm, overall, I'm trying to have fun with this movie. But yeah, it, it, it definitely had more third act mm-hmm. problems than anything. Yeah. Even, you can, if they really slammed it home in the end, I think I could have forgiven some of its earlier sins. It could have saved, yeah. But, if they had really tied some of, some of this lunacy up. Yeah. I think it could have it could have saved it and made it because I, I you just touched on something that I like to do like once I, I'm I'm to a point in a movie where I'm like all right this is silly this doesn't make sense I say to myself you know all right well let's just sit back and try to enjoy it for a gore fest or for whatever yeah. whatever it might be let's just sit back and try to enjoy it for that and I couldn't do that with this because it kept trying to take itself so seriously yeah you know and. Uh, Again, it just it just didn't really bring anything together for me, and too much of it just didn't really make sense. It was a a, a Norwegian post-apocalyptic whodunit, yeah. I guess you know, and it uh, at the end there was just really no really no payoff. Beautiful cinematography, yeah. But, uh, and Shane, no, I know no real payoff. I know Shane. You said that you really couldn't make it through this movie. Like, so do you echo some of these sentiments, or did you have something even stronger that you were just like, I'm, I couldn't? No, do I'm it. interested to know where he tapped out. True. No, I tapped out after the second time they lost a daughter. I was like, okay. I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm done. Was it for the reason I said? Because because yes. you, you're a dad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're. You know what? And and not to hearken to a completely different movie, um, but The Mist, Stephen King's The Mist, which a lot of people love. Right at the end of the mist, I'm not this spoiler alert. At the end of the mist, he ends up killing his own son just because they can't find their way out of this. And you know, first of all, that doesn't happen in the book. Yeah, the book is a completely different ending. Um, but the and people are like, that's a great ending. I'm like, are you a dad? Because if you are, there is not a fucking chance in hell that you would shoot your kid (laughs) instead of instead of try to find some any other goddamn way out of this situation. Yeah, it just. When things and that's um, so I'm on board with Shane totally. Second time you lose the kid, I'm like, listen, you're just either bad parents or really fucking stupid, right? And I can't, I can't support either of you, right? And this was on a Saturday afternoon, so after that happened, I'm like, I don't. I try to, I, I try to go back to it, and then, and then Andrew like hit us up, and I'm like, please don't make me watch Cadaver. Please don't make me watch Cadaver. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Well, I spared you, buddy. Like, I, thank you. Know, you. I, and. Here's the thing, though, of the movies we're going to cover, I feel like uh, the way it's progressing here, I'm going to literally do kind of like a shit sandwich like that or that like compliments are where you start out with something a little bit nice. Like, oh, yeah, here's the cinematography and here's mm-hmm. this. OK, very good. Uh, but it just didn't work for me. And then we're going to go to the next movie, which I know you both <laughs> ended up watching all the way through, I would assume why i will get to in a second is would be a plausible thing uh nobody sleeps in the woods tonight uh came out on the 28th and this one is a polish slasher film so we're still in subtitle territory for scary larry over there um this one again figuring to be more of a slasher or like a like a camp slasher like so felt a lot more old school and it felt like you know something that you know shane and i were like hearkening back to our childhoods i'm sure scary larry can relate uh here with that feeling uh so even just seeing the little bits that we did it was like okay cool uh, the the plot reads a little odd, and especially I want to really harp on 
one of the parts that they list in the synopsis and how this movie actually plays out. Uh, kudos to the person who wrote this synopsis. So the basic synopsis is a group of technology-addicted teens go to a rehabilitation camp in the forest where a sinister force intends to take them offline forever. Fine, that's very basic. One of the other synopsis also read that they said in the face of deadly danger lurking in the woods, they will discover what true friendship, love, and sacrifice are. I'm like, what movie did you watch? (laughs) None of those elements are true. No real bonds are met. There's so little characterization in this movie. I hated this movie. Um, I'll I'll start with Shane in a minute, but I just want to say, and I've watched a lot of Netflix originals and I know Sean, uh, excuse me. I know Shane has too. my goodness. I think this is the worst one I've ever seen. Oh, that's a, that's a strong statement. Yeah. I probably now I'm probably now in the hundreds as far as like Netflix originals. And this might be the worst one I've ever seen. Shane, uh, I will say tread lightly because if you don't agree with me, you might be out of the family. You might not return. But my goodness, sir, uh, what did you see when you watched Nobody Sleeps in the Woods? I didn't fall on, I didn't fall on as hard as you did, but it's pretty fucking terrible. Excuse my language. It's pretty terrible. No, you're you good. It it's pretty terrible. It deserves all so, the expletives. <laughs> I liked the, the initial scenes in this movie. The premise was great because I needed to send my kids to some freaking tech camp where they can't have their <laughs> tablets anymore. Sure. I like. I actually liked the concept. The first scene, it got ha- had me intrigued where the postman or the, the postal worker was delivering the mail and he heard something underneath the house and he went to check it out. Yeah. And he gets taken under there and they flash forward 30 years and the campers get to camp. I'm like, okay, I, I'm in this. And then it just fell apart. Everything just fell apart after that. There was no, like you said, there was no friendships met. There was no character development. Uh, so these five kids, I labeled them, I'm going to be nice on this show, <laughs> the, bl- the blonde, the virgin, the closet homosexual, the nerd, and the loner. Yeah. So we had, almost had like the breakfast club marching out in the woods <laughs> yeah. with, with like the over camouflaged leader, right? Yeah. The watered-down Sarah Connor or whatever the hell's going on here. Exactly. The discount Sarah Connor. Okay, so when they had like that first night – well, I'm all over the place here. So the first night, they're all finding out like why they're in this camp. We find out one backstory inspired the nerd, right? He's a video gamer. He's going to like these championships in Korea. He has like 900,000 YouTube followers. I'm like, bullshit. Your parents would keep you home. You'd be making seven figures right now. Yeah. Like, no. Esports is what? huge. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Uh, and I thought they, the, let's call them the, the killers, the villains. They kind of give you a backstory. And I'm like, okay, sci-fi, whatever. And it's like Peter Griffin would be happy because they actually gave you, they said the title of the movie <laughs> yes. in the movie. Yes. So Peter Griffin would be satisfied <laughs> yes. with that. Okay, I think they went for the gross out. You know, we're going to make you so gross in this movie, actually, than any other slasher film. Right. uh, There's also not a whole lot of slashing going on in this film. No, it wasn't. That's why they shouldn't call it a slasher film. They used other devices like that conveniently uh, placed wood chipper. Yes, uh, yes. By the church. At first, I will say, it had like a wrong turn feel to it. I'm like, are they going for like incest in these woods? No, they're going for total sci-fi. I'm like, okay, I'm on board. Sure. 
and like some of the stuff that happens, like okay, the blonde and the virgin on, no, the blonde and the the closet homosexual having their deep hearted conversation. Yeah, I'm like, how do you not hear a 400 pound guy walk up behind you? Yeah, that like, dude is stealth. <laughs> they're both stealth. They're both stealth. So lots of they went for lots of gore. They didn't give any of the kids background except for one and kind of a loner. She was the only one that had flashbacks. Yeah. And it's the only one I actually cared about. I'm like, okay, let's hopefully you make it out of here. The music bothered me. And I went back and looked on it and they said they were John Carpenter inspired. I heard, <laughs> I heard, I heard not, no John Carpenter in that score at all. Right. At all. Uh, let's see what, I, what else I have written here. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you a second. I mean, this movie is so poorly directed. Uh, like even the kills are poorly set up. Like you mentioned with the like, like kind of sneaking up uh, with that. Even the one that's there, I, if I remember correctly, like uh, there was one where like the the head was ripped off, comically terrible uh, from the basement stuff, and the effect. So the effects were also bad. The execution was bad. Like the timing was always off. Like it, it didn't seem like these, you know, cause a lot of the, the newer horror, especially is like quick cuts to get like the action moving. Th- this movie had no propulsion at all. Like it, nothing. It was just aimlessly walking around like a walk in the woods. Like it was just waiting to die. Uh, and, and then as you mentioned the sci-fi, that was the worst part of everything to me. The villains here, I don't, get it's literally the worst origin story ever like an alien when when they when they turn into venom (laughs) right that's exactly what i thought yeah i was like oh the fucking symbiote all right yeah but somehow somehow venom turns you into looking like a bloated version of the thing and then also like if hillbilly jim like drown in the camp crystal lake and turn into jason Voorhees, like there's that like i was like what are these people what's going on it's literally like you said it was like a alien rock that kind of like sucks into their bodies and takes over and yet uh so if we're talking about bad parents and cadaver is it really good parents for the mother to continuously feed the these people who just live in her basement i mean like uh, that's a little over the top. Now we're overcorrecting parents. And she was doing it for 30 years. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Yeah. And then they try to like give you the twist. Like, Oh, there's two of them out there. Now there's, there's brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They showed you the pictures of the twins right at the beginning of the fucking movie. Yeah. They did. I'm like, I'm of... like, was this a swerve? Cause I thought it, I, this is what I thought all along. No. Like, right. They're wearing different clothes. Like I've, so I've seen, like, I, I saw know. the pic- I saw the picture like you did, but they they showed the one prominently at the beginning, so I'm like, all right. Then I kind of just zoned that picture out because I, I I was losing interest in this movie. So yeah, <laughs> as you, you should. We- <laughs> then they gave you that weird scene with the damn priest in the closet homosexual. Yes. Right. At first, when he rolls in his Mercedes, I'm like, I should be a priest in Poland. Like, what is going on? <laughs> right. And then his church is like a shoebox. So I'm like, okay. And then. Uh, there's no explanation how that scene correlates or ties into where they find the, where they find the old guy. Yep. Right. And then there's a, the wrestling on the door and he's like, has a shotgun ready. How did that kid get out of that church? Is what I want to know. No idea. And I'll tell you for, for as bad as they set up some of the characters in this movie, uh, the, I believe it was the closet homosexual is kind of like on his, like just wandering the woods for apparently forever because when he gets shot by that old man towards the end, I was like, all right, that guy, 
That guy's still yeah, around. Same I was here. Like, I'd, com- I'd completely forgotten about him. They basically completed the movie. They completed yeah. the plot lines. They completed the arcs without him. And it was like, oh, yeah, let's just tie him up by having him get shot. Okay. No big deal. Right. Like, it but meant brother, nothing. But then the brother finds him in the confessional booth, and he reaches over. I'm like, well, how? How How do you get away from that? Like, I, it just... And then you mentioned because like, the movie's the, awful, the base- Shane. <laughs> right. Then the basement scene where you talked about the head being decapitated. I'm like, she had every chance to get. And I know you're supposed to suspend your belief when you're when you're thinking about slasher films, right? Mm-hmm. But I thought this would be a little different. And she had ample time to get out of there, and she picks up like a six inch lead pipe. I'm like, what, what are you What are you doing? Yeah. 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 And and on top of it, this movie was humorless. Like I thought they could have played on the fact that the nerd kind of knew the rules, kind of like Scream. He knew the rules yeah. of horror movies. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, we shouldn't separate. We shouldn't go here. We should go back. And they didn't play on that enough for me. There was no humor in here. And I guess I don't know what the message of this movie was. They took their well, their technology away, and at the end, if they had the technology, they would have been safe. So, like, I I don't know. Yeah, and I literally wrote that down. I was like, the no technology camp has no bearing on the film except to not have tech around as a convenient device well, for for people to do it. And I know other horror films have done this, where it's like the one person yeah. who has you know, if anyone has a cell phone, they conveniently don't have signal or any of these other things. But right. if you're gonna make it a big point to do this camp you would think that there would be a message somehow and in involving it instead of just making it easier for them to get killed um right and i would have thought you know you know take like the sleepaway camp series or any of these other ones where maybe like the camp has some tie into it you know like maybe they set these people up for slaughter that they know all about this story any of it none of that happened there was no forethought no <laughs> no setup no payoffs literally nothing happened no lessons no point is the story yeah, of this you movie. got so you got all that plus you've got a bunch of ripoffs like totally which drove me crazy like you know, you mentioned the killers. What the killers were were like poor man's Victor Crowley from Hatchet. Yeah. Same fucking uh, overalls. Unless like, you know, okay, if this is and the wood chipper killing. Oh, forget about that. The sleeping bag when he beats a kid against a tree. That's straight out of Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand nine. Yeah. That's a fucking Jason kill. Before that, even Jason did. Oh. It. He's done it in a couple of them. He did it in Jason X. He did it, and uh, and then in an early earlier one. But that's just a straight. You can't steal a straight Jason kill. Like that's like one of his own kills. And then, like you said, you got the fake Jamie Kennedy from Scream. Yep. Like he's the same fucking kid. He might as well be working in a blockbuster. You know, just fucking. <laughs> like I'm like I'm like you're taking all these you know fucking tropes. At least put a good movie around it. Sure. Um, you know, or or you know what, the directors should have probably realized at some point that this was not serious and could be funny. And, you know, let's throw some fucking jokes in here because there's nothing, you know, if you're going to make a movie like this, let's go back to hatchet. You're going to make a movie that's that you want to be over the top gross with like a vicious killer monster. Put some humor in there. Yeah. Make, right, make right. and Adam green made those mo- movies all funny, even as some of them weren't great, but they were still always fucking funny. And that that will save you in a slasher movie. Oh, absolutely! Listen, Humor will save. You. Trauma made a a, a lifetime of, of movies about the. Yeah. I mean, like when I saw them, I was hoping for like redneck zombie stuff instead of alien. Uh, you know, and, right. and again, those movies are full of, you know, 
horror aspects, but a lot of yep. humor. And and I know that's like a modern thing to do, but literally nobody had a pulse in this damn movie. No, no. And and you mentioned the the uh, the main girl was the only one with a backstory. Why? Yeah. What the right. fuck did exactly. her backstory have to do with anything? It, it never tied into any part of the movie. So I'm like, they could have left that Nothing. out, and the movie would have been the same damn thing. So and I'm then like, you and then you create some weird fucking relationship between her and the geeky kid where the fuck did that come from like yeah. all of a sudden like like she's into him like what well, he what? was he, he was laying down those terminator moves pretty pretty he, oh, yeah. he was trying but yeah. the fact that she all of a sudden was like so broken up that he was fucking bitten by the fake fucking victor crowley i don't know and you know there was so much stuff that didn't make sense either they were so they were at the no cell phone camp and then fake Sarah Connor took him on the little hike, right? And they then they that's when they run into the fucking the Bubba clan or whatever. <laughs> yes. And then they find, you know, the wizened old guy that knows everything, another fucking classic horror trope. And this guy says it's a two day walk to the nearest village. Motherfucker, these kids are camping from a camp like fucking twenty minutes away. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right. Why don't you just go back to your goddamn camp where all the fucking phones are? Yep. And call somebody, you jackasses. Yeah. And that <laughs> conveniently at a camp. Yeah. Go ahead. And then the conveniently placed cop that's out there just uh, just the work and they put more tr- thought into trying to give him a backstory that didn't my work my favorite out. part of the whole movie that was my favorite i i even wrote it down like I, I didn't i barely wrote any notes for this movie but i was like this scene with the cop best of the movie it, it really <laughs> was because it's not because you gave him a, a little legitimate story you made it funny because here's a cop with a hooker always funny right sure cop right. and a hooker always funny yeah I'm like I'm like this is the best part of the movie right here because it's it's funny and it's it's you know it's it's real world like his story is real world he's talking about how he's bo- how bored he is with his wife right and then meanwhile you pan over and he's handing a fucking hooker twenty bucks and she's like see you next Tuesday yeah. I'm like this is great <laughs> yeah best part of the movie and then fucking whatever it goes Loses back to being a shithole yep. yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I think we kind of <laughs> did this one enough because it deserves absolutely no justice whatsoever. <laughs> that is a complete skip uh, as far as that. And like I said, it is borderline, if not the worst Netflix movie I've seen. And, and they said this is the first Polish slasher. This might be the last. I hope Polish so. Well, film they made. isn't the worst sin? And this happens with a lot of horror movies. Let's leave it open. And they no, did. the director the director was quoted saying it is not impossible to do the sequel to this movie. It will be because nobody likes it. So nobody yeah. I, I, maybe in Poland. Maybe they love it in Poland. Yeah. I don't maybe. I don't know. I'm trying know. to not do all the stereotypical Polish jokes. So uh what I will do is move on to to me, uh, and I, I'm very curious to see where you guys land. The crown jewel of all this. And I will say, uh, like I said, I will be guilty and say I haven't seen a lot of horror this year because a lot of it went to either VOD where you'd have to pay for a bunch of stuff or it's on Shutter the Goods. Um, this is my favorite horror movie that I've seen all year. Uh, and that is His House, which came out on the 30th. Uh, this movie, I know uh, Larry was alluding to, like a lot of times movies get... Uh, picked up by Netflix through the festival circuit and everything else. Well, one of the last festivals was Sundance before everything shut down, and his house was a big ticket item coming out of Sundance. It got a lot of good praise coming out of there. Netflix scooped it up. It's a BBC film. 
that they acquired. And to me, I I really I liked the concept when I read the synopsis. I loved it as it was in motion uh, early on. I mean, so the the basic synopsis is a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war torn South Sudan. But then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. Now, it's very vague on purpose. Um, what I would say is that watching the trailer a little bit or like just seeing the early stuff, I was like, this could be a real, uh, as my friends at Mike, Mike and Oscar call a parade of sadness movie where like it's, you know, could have been like Hotel Rwanda, you know, but like and, or it could have been more artsy. You know, something that couldn't have been as horror thriller elements uh, to go on here. My goodness, that was not the case. Uh, this movie, I thought, was a great concept with lots of layers. Uh, you have a lot of depth and complexity to what could have been just a simple ghost story. And you got an immigrant story, as they mentioned. Uh, there's a loss of a child situation, trauma, PST from the Sudan War. You have strict rules on where they live because it's, you know, an asylum-seeking situation. Um, and, of course, they're in a terrible neighborhood and, and they're not really allowed to leave. So there are so many elements that set up well for horror that you don't realize work well in an immigrant asylum story. And I, so I think it was genuinely well set up and executed uh which is why the next part of what i'm about to say is impressive this is the first feature film from writer director remy weeks and i will say going forward i look forward to any of this stuff i even watched uh, a featurette on netflix film club uh for where they showed how they shot some of the scenes and how they do a lot of one take uh, things to not let the editing screw up what is the more passionate scenes or complex scenes and i i was very impressed um larry we'll start with you what did you feel about this film because to me i loved it it's um it's it's true it's top three for me for 2020 um i absolutely love this movie um you hit on really most of it um mostly impressed not only with the depth of it, but the performances of the two main characters absolutely um, were astounding, like astounding. Like that's the only word I can use uh, to describe how great um, this husband and wife duo, whose real names I, I don't know, unfortunately. Oh, I, ha um, I have it up top if you want. It's uh, and I'm gonna <laughs> pull a one out of Shane. Like it's really hard. But <laughs> Sope Durizu and Wunmi Mosaku. Uh, and that sounds that sounds perfect. Yeah. And then of course yeah. there's also a small role for Doctor Who himself, Matt Smith, in here as well. Yes. Yes. Um I mean, obviously I've never been a refugee of a war torn country. Um, but I I was that I for a while. I got over were you yeah. just for a little bit like back in the eighties? <laughs> when like, I was in college, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean I would imagine that that's pretty close. You know the, the 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 feelings they have. They, I mean, they're they they have to stay in this sort of detention center for God knows how long until it's decided by these people. You know who are maybe college educated nobodies. Whether these people get some housing or not, whether yeah. these people are allowed to move into their society. 
but even when they're allowed to move into their society, it's not like they're immediately accepted. It's not like they're given a job. It's not like they're allowed to really be a part of their society. It's just fucking, here's a shitty house full of bugs um, yep. and, and try not to be an asshole. Yeah, here's a stipend he, oh, What did live. they say? Be yeah. one of the good ones. Yes. And that's what, that's, that, was what, that was his quote, right? Maybe you'll be one of the good ones. Yeah, it's whatever. very condescending attitude. Racist fucking shit that's supposed to mean. Yes. Um, but yeah, man, I just, you know, I, I felt for them like you're supposed to, like the writer and director really wanted you to to feel horrible for what they were going through and to feel horrible for them having lost their child on the way from, you know, uh, the Sudan to wherever, I guess I don't see, I know for it's from here, it's Cuba to Miami on the boat, I guess over there it's Sudan to England, I guess. I don't know where, yeah, through the channel. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I know damn well about the Cuba to Miami because I'm American. I don't know how it works, uh, over, over there, but I would assume it's, Sudan to England because that's where they end up. Um, but you know they lost their daughter on the way uh, across across that ocean across that sea. Um, so you know as a as a dad, you always feel that. You know that's uh, not something. In my younger years, uh, you know watching movies that that made me tear up. But now, of course, it does. Sure. Um, yeah. And I I just really thought. And then they handled the haunting very well. Um, it's impressively you know, hauntings, scary, Larry. Hauntings can be silly in movies. Yes. Um, hauntings are a tough thing to pull off in horror. It, it can come off. It's it's either going to come off. It's There's really no in between. It's going to come off fucking terrifying or it's going to come off silly. Yeah. And and they, they came off terrifying, which for a first time director is super fucking impressive. Yeah. Um, and, and he didn't. And it wasn't just the haunting that was terrifying because as the movie went on, it just became more and more claustrophobic and terrifying. Um, I mean, I, I, I found myself not scared because I don't really get scared at movies anymore, but (laughs) feeling, you know, just feeling that sense of dread uh, every time he would see the spirit or, you know, he would come home and she's talking to the spirit you know, and then you're asking yourself, is she fucking crazy? But then no, because he sees it too. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, and then having to deal with that and then still trying to, him trying to assimilate into a country that she wants no fucking part of. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine how that would be. Like, like they just got there. He's fu- kind of finally getting what he wants. He's out of this fucking war-torn country. And she's like, I want to go home. Yeah you know what's that got to do to him inside he's already dealing with this he's tearing at the fucking walls of a home he doesn't even own yeah and and now his wife's like i just want to i want to get out of here yeah absolutely oh man just so so incredible really you know this is this is one of those one of those movies that just really really hits you and stays with you because i did i found myself thinking about it the next day yeah like still it was still with me the next day you know this this fucking don't sweat in the woods or whatever the fucking name of this <laughs> other movie we watched was yeah uh you know i won't give a second thought to that one after we're done talking tonight i'll never think about that movie again yeah until until next year when i see the sequel and i'm like what the fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, don't do that but but his house is gonna be with me for for quite some time i think so too and one yeah. one thing i want to say before we get to shane's reaction to it is 
Uh, I was very impressed that even usually, especially for first time directors and even I'm not quite sure what the budget of this movie was, but I don't think it was incredibly high. I thought they were very inventive with how they used their budget. But what you can always say too, there's like these dreamlike scenarios, effect, more effects driven scenarios in this film too, where you can usually see the budget in a lot of these. I thought this movie, a lot of those scenes were very flawless. I, I and well time and you know using like water effects and everything else a lot of those things can end up looking cheap I didn't believe that was the case at all and to echo yep. your point I was genuinely jumping and scared at times um because that witch or which like however they position that or the ghosts or any of these wow they do yep. a really great job with the like that like you said that claustrophobic feeling. And then adding the the light and the dark and and living in the walls and everything like it's just it's madness and I I adored all of it. Shane, what did you think about this film? I don't know what the hell you guys were watching. Oh no! I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh. I was like, whoa! I was like, oh, you're breaking up, Shane. What's going on? No, seriously, I I you guys stole all my gosh damn thunder. Ah, on this sorry, film. man. Like I echo all your. Everything you said about this movie, I saw the trailer and I'm like, okay, it's a haunted house movie, cool. And it was so layered and so deep and had such a message. And I was like, this is not your normal horror movie because, and I, I balanced back and forth. Yes, it is a horror movie, but I'm like, they used horror in a different way. Mm-hmm. They use it to relay like their, like the main character's sins and what they had to do to, to leave Sudan to get to England yeah, and how, and how that all hung over them rather than being just a haunted house. You know what I mean? Like haunted house. Sure. It was actually what they had to do to leave Su- the Sudan and it, it, everything about this movie. I, I can't talk. I just, I love this movie. This, yeah. uh, you know, how the marriage was falling apart when they got there. And you guys touched on this, like she was not adapting well. Uh, the one time she left the house, she was harassed by other African-Americans in London mm-hmm. and they told her to go back to Africa. I'm like, oh, yeah. man. and he's sitting there in the pub singing songs and just trying to acclimate to like yep. being like, he, I don't know how many times he said, this is my house. This is his house. Yeah. Like it just, I felt for them. The acting was terrific. Uh, the one scene that two, a couple scenes stood out to me, a lot of them, but as they were trying to fit into the culture, remember, uh, point where i don't know when he went to the gap or old name yes right he pulled the the polo shirt off the rack and he looked at the display the photograph and he saw like they're all dressed and he grabbed the jeans so he can look like the photograph Mm -hmm. on the wall and like when they're eating dinner he's eating with a fork and spoon and she's still picking stuff up with her fingers and he snaps at her like you know use a spoon yeah yeah you know just everything they used in this movie, the imagery was fantastic. Like the scene where everything fades away and he's standing in the middle of the ocean yeah. and all the, you know, the zombies walk up and she walks in and he's like pissing his pants. Yeah. I was like, holy sh! Like I, this movie just blew me away on so many different levels. Yeah. Incredible. And again, I, I, when you find out their daughter, like who she really was. Yeah. Oh, just it's an amazing hard. twist. Whole other level, man. Yeah. Yeah. Heart wrenching because I'm sitting there thinking, could I do that? Would I do that? I'm like, 
I know. Uh, well, here, just real quick for you, because I I didn't want to bring it up because it is kind of like a big twist in here. But what I will say for people who have seen it and they know what we're talking about here, when that reveal happens of what it, the initial backstory of the daughter situation is, mm-hmm. that is the only thing that I can say. If somebody came to me about this movie and was like, I don't know how to feel about him at the end of the day, so I can't give this movie as high a mark as I wanted to. That's literally the only criticism I can hear about this film. Because I'm wondering why it's it's getting good reviews. It's I I was wondering why it's not getting great reviews. And like it's one of the only kind of sticking points I've had in my head that maybe the twist was too much for some people. In in that the way it ends ha- doesn't match up. Maybe if people feel really awful about these people, well, well, not you know I'm not going to like totally spoil it. But when you're in that situation, which we'll never be in, so we have no freaking Correct. idea. Yeah, you know he's scrambling for his wife. He's a life. He's trying to save his wife. That person, that person is just solo buyers. He had no idea, you know what was outside the bus oh yeah no every everything is understandable and i'm on the side of i get it but if somebody wanted to come at me with it i can't really get on them for it well i'll tell those people take a hike take a hike because <laughs> take, take we would all do the same thing yeah. i think but no i i don't have any more to add the imagery the directing the acting just the, the emotion of the movie the layers of the movie uh, the way they used horror in this movie was something new for me because, again, they used their their own sins in this movie against them rather than being them walking through a supernatural presence already. Right. They brought that with they brought that with them. Yeah. So uh, it was new and refreshing, and just I again, I'm going to pay attention to this writer director. After I watch this movie, I it, it doesn't. It's a totally different movie than Black Fox. It's a better movie than Black Box, but I had similar feelings. Like this is a kind of a under the, the the ground movie that people should go and see and enjoy and watch and think about. Yeah, it's definitely like an immigrant tale version of like the Telltale Heart. You know, something like kind of like bubbling under the surface that comes mm-hmm. to uh, comes out and really does it. I, I I was just so impressed with how how well this is for a writer director to have such a vision. Uh, I can't wait. And I, like I said, I watched that featurette on YouTube and man, I was impressive with the depth of thought for someone who hadn't had a feature film under uh, his belt to this point. So everybody look out for Remy weeks. Cause I think only good things are going to come out of that person. And I know maybe some of the people who listen to us preview these films uh, with Shane uh, back uh, in the end of october or end of september early october um you're gonna be like hey didn't you have another movie that you guys previewed uh called the day of the lord um yeah yeah we did um uh it's awful i'm not going to i'm the only one here who watched it i feel uh awful that i actually watched it i don't feel clean um I will just say uh for the people i'm not going to get into anything because it doesn't deserve it it is as bad as you know it's on the level of like that really bad stuff that uh, i mentioned like one of the worst stuff i've watched um what i will say i will share with the people what i sent 
<laughs> Larry and Shane. Um, I basically said it's torture porn mixed with underage incest porn under the guise of demonic possession. If that sounds like your bag and you like the quality of basically a borderline telenovela or TV movie, um, go for it and dive right in because apparently they keep labeling this as part one so much that the end of the movie, it literally flashes the name of the second movie to come. So they are doubling down and making sure that you know that this is an ongoing story of demonic possession and a and a retired priest that has to come back and try to to take this over. So, um, yeah, it is awful. Um, uh, I say no good things. Sorry to a Mexican horror movie because I thought it was going to be more grittier or better because I've seen a lot of good uh, stuff come out of uh, that region. No. No good. Stay away. <laughs> yeah, the one I mentioned, uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid, from last year was Mexican. Yeah. And uh, that was my favorite of the year. So, yeah, definitely. There's definitely a lot of good stuff that comes out of Mexico. Apparently, that's not. No. And it's really hard to kind of make a good demonic possession movie post, you know, like because everybody compares you to The Exorcist or anything of those nature. Um, Don't worry. No one will uh, on this one. Uh, It is at at best an extremely watered, distorted version. Yes, Shane. Yeah, going back, not to this movie, because I'll never yes, watch it based on what you just said. Yes. But we were talking in our previous episode, like, who would you want Netflix to kind of secure and, like, make some horror? How about Remy Weeks? Like, after yeah. this movie? I hope so. That should be someone they are targeting to make some more content for their for Netflix. Absolutely. Yeah, because the eyeballs that are on this, especially during, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch because we previewed all these movies and then over October where a lot more people are watching horror movies and doing everything, it's interesting to watch what's actually succeeding in real time. Like you knew people were going to watch Hubie Halloween regardless because Sandler always gets like high marks. But I was fascinated to see like, vampires versus the bronx enter the top 10 at like one point his house right now is on uh i believe the top 10 or was during like halloween week halloween weekend a lot of people watch that film i know on letterbox it's still very popular you know so it's interesting to see what survived and what people got into cadaver didn't really play and, I, and now you can kind of see why and you know the other one was but remember there. nobody sleeps in the woods tonight was trending number four and then number seven and number eight during the whole week of Halloween. is that true i didn't notice that, that one got play oh, that Jesus. is true that is you know what terrible. i'll bet you that was something that would like you know like you got some teenagers in a house and they would just put it on and it would be on in the background yes well because you know you get a guy in a wood chipper and you know <laughs> if that's what you're looking for which hey I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to a gore fest. I'm not. Right. But, um, you know, if that's what you're looking for, maybe that's why it was so high up. I can't, I can't believe it was the story or the characters that uh, put it at number four that week. Yeah. Well, Shane, so I'm going to kind of ask you, this is a good way to kind of recap. You watch a lot of Netflix like I do, a lot of Netflix originals. We we kind of put some of our favorites. I know Larry is actually a fan of Eli. I remember after Eli came out, you messaged me like, oh, my God, did you see this? Did you guys cover this yet? Um, so we've kind of put out what we like, the Flanagans and some other things. Do you consider his house to be like the best Netflix horror movie that came out? 
Ooh. I know I'm putting you on the spot there oh, for that one. Ooh, well, as I gathered my thoughts, it's a, it's it's uh, off the top of my head. It's definitely top three. Um, I mean, as, as far as a quality film goes, and how it just was more than a horror movie, it's easily one or two for me. Yeah, I um, I think I, it is. I think it's better than the Flanagan films. I think it's better than Eli. Oh, it's better than Eli. Uh, oh, the Flanagan films. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say top top two. It's top two, arguably. I got to go back and look, but yeah, top two for me for sure. Period. End of discussion. Because I hate the end of Gerald's game. That last third act is so bad for how good the rest of the, that movie is. And then, uh, as far as before I wake, I know we talked about it on this show before. I think it's that movie has some complications too within it. That this one I feel like is so so flawless it's and it's so tight it's an hour and a half it's like shorter than all these garbage movies that we talked about it is but i was thinking of hush when you were talking about playing i see the thing about gerald's game well hush is not a netflix original though i don't think oh it's not so, okay my bad yeah my bad. yeah yeah my bad. okay yeah then, then definitely this would probably be the best netflix horror movie i've seen ever yeah I know. Larry, I don't know if you categorize these things, but like, uh, I, I don't. And I'm, I'm flicking through Netflix right now. Um, and there are a couple on here I love, but I don't think they're Netflix originals. Uh, one bedroom is one of my favorites of 2020. Yeah, that's not an original. I saw that's getting a lot of play this year. That's yeah, a good movie. the only um, the only Netflix autopsy of Jane Doe, but that's definitely not a Netflix movie. No, somebody tried to actually be like, hey, could we do that on your podcast? Like, I wish, but uh, it's not an original. I think they had like a <laughs> distribution deal maybe where it is exclusive in some areas, which is why I may have confused people. But no, but that gotcha. one's always on there. The The one that I, I am going to look into after this is uh, Bo Bo um, is a, a Indian horror movie that Netflix yep. acquired that uh, I guess got put on some top horror film lists around i didn't yep. see much before i literally saw that it was on somebody's top list today so if i knew that that had as much traction or as part of their package uh, i would have sought that out more but do you know anything about that larry at all i do it's on my uh it's on my list of ones that i need to see okay um so maybe I'll check in with you later right on now. that one <laughs> yeah because it's it's i always end up watching everything that i put on my list uh, let me just make sure it's on there. Yep, it's right there. Um, along with, God, I got so much to watch. And <laughs> Vampires vs. the Bronx is one of the ones. Hashtag Alive is one of the ones I have to watch. Yeah. Um, I think you'll enjoy those two on some level. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. are two uh, better ones than the stuff that we covered here. So, um, yeah. And then, then, of course, Uncle Peckerhead. So, <laughs> of you course. Know, we'll, have, we'll have to check out Uncle Peckerhead, too, because that's actually. <laughs> getting pretty good reviews interesting all right well thank you guys so much for coming on Uh, i feel like uh you know everybody you know they know shane from coming on quite a bit larry i think this is like your third or fourth time uh coming on this pod you're always covering uh the stephen king stuff for me very well and everything else um but shane i know everyone can check you out on media mosh you could tell people where to go there if you'd like yeah, just go to the Facebook page, Media Mosh. More importantly, go to the iTunes store. Just download me, Media Pot, uh, Media Mosh. Share me with your friends. 
that's it. Instagram at Shane Mediamosh. I'm there more often than not, more than Facebook. So go check me out there. Share me with your friends. Title of your sex tape. Thank yes. you, Shane. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just like, well, okay. yeah, we'll just Whatever. leave that out there. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. They'll like it. By the way, that is easily also a subplot to Day of the Lord, as I uh, showed you guys as well. Um, Larry, I feel bad. You know, Connecticut Horror Fest didn't happen this year. I was looking forward to it. Obviously, I know you as being uh, the captain of the ship must be bummed. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I want to give you kudos, though, for kind of keeping the Connecticut Co. Classic stuff alive, at least in virtual form. And I believe you had one live like a drive-in thing or something to that we did a couple we did a couple of uh pop-up drive-in events um we did one that uh was a movie that was shot locally that's actually getting good reviews uh really good reviews called 10 minutes to midnight Mm. um stars uh stars caroline williams from texas chainsaw massacre 2 um and you might even see larry dwyer in a scene Ooh, Um, look at that but um really 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 good movie um so i screened that at the uh drive-in and then uh we did the gate 1987 classic love it yeah the fucking best man um the funny thing is the spot we were using for the pop-up drive-in is owned by a church and uh, i wanted to show the howling and luckily a guy who works for the city of ansonia knows horror movies and he's like "Eh." he's like start (laughs) kind of starts out with a guy watching a porno doesn't it i'm like Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's keep this a little PG. Let's uh let's go with the gate. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. So the gate's always a good option for one that's uh yeah, listen, for you know, is it PG or PG thirteen? Whatever it is, it's still a pretty scary movie. Um especially when you're a younger kid. I remember that fucking the eye in the hand used to freak me oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it used to freak me out. Um, so I was able to do a, at least a couple things. You know, we social distanced, but then every Saturday night I do the watch parties on Facebook, um, which is a treat for me because when I do the live double features in Seymour, I'm not always really showing the stuff I I want to show. Right. Like, you know, I'm I'm giving you the Exorcist and I'm giving you the classics, like you know. I want to fucking show you uh, Basket Case, and I want to yeah. show you Frankenhooker. Like these are my movies, sure. so I get to do that with the uh, the watch parties because that's up to me. Like if you want to leave, you can leave. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna show I'm gonna show what I want. So Saturday nights uh, we do that on the Connecticut Cult Classics Facebook page, and that's a good time. Yeah, it definitely this, is. Uh, this Saturday is probably this probably won't be out by then, but we're doing. Uh, Eaten Alive, which is a 1976 Toby Hooper movie. Yeah, um, Robert England, I think maybe his first movie. Um, he plays a, a very unsavory character named Buck. <laughs> and then there's an alligator. Yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> why not? Do, do you <laughs> exactly. know? Do you know what you're doing the week after? Because that's when this will be out by then. Ah, let's uh, let's pick one. Let's just fucking because I got a list of ones that I got to show. Oh, I like so this. What, so what the hell? We'll pick it right here live on the non-cast. Uh, next week, let us do Maniac Cop. Nice. Tom Atkins and Bruce oh, Campbell. Love it. Love it. Yes. There we go. I'm going to write it down so I remember that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But uh, that's going to, yeah, we'll do that uh, that next week, which the date on that will be the 14th. So, 
Oh, should I show Saturday the fourteenth then? Let's fuck it. Let's just stick with uh, Maniac. Maniac. Oh, it's it's the yeah. better film. Anyway. I, I, yeah, I, it is. I, it is. Yeah, Saturday the fourteenth. It's funny because <laughs> I always think of movies like that when it comes to you know sometimes when movies don't take themselves seriously enough, like how you can get yeah. to be goofy. When I was watching Day of the Lord, I was like, I rather be watching Repossessed right now. It was <laughs> oh, that bad God. that I was like, I rather at least have something goofy and fun more than just watching a bad version of something that should be good, uh, right. taking itself seriously. But yeah, I I uh, I absolutely love this. You guys did an excellent job. I appreciate you guys bringing it. I'm I appreciate that we are all on the same page because yeah. Yes. There were uh, these movies should not be divisive. <laughs> yeah, because usually, Andrew, you and I usually kind of differ. At least uh, on a little bit. Our, yeah. yeah, on a little. Not, I think overall we're usually pretty together. Yeah. but but we do d- differ on some stuff. So this was this was a rare treat for me that we were all three of us on the same. Definitely on the same wavelength through this whole thing. For sure, I love that. I love that Shane only got through like like maybe twenty minutes of the fucking <laughs> the Norwegian Who Done It movie. Yeah, so we know Shane is going to survive the nuclear holocaust. So congratulations yeah. to Shane uh, for that happening. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I appreciate you, and I look forward to the next time we get to do this. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy.